HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Cheese lovers, assemble. This fall, Wisconsin Cheese is proudly hosting their first ever Art of Cheese Festival. Head to www.artofcheesefestival.com to snag your tickets and cheese the day. Culture and Flavor is a podcast about food and culture centered in Black and Indigenous food ways. Hosted by myself, Zella Palmer, right here in New Orleans, Louisiana. Each episode features high vibrational conversations with cultural bearers, chefs, farmers, scholars, barbecue pitmasters, and more. Where there is flavor, there is history. Join me on Culture and Flavor and all of my guests as we share stories that will have you praise dancing, cooking, conjuring, and inspiring your culinary journey. Welcome to another episode of Culture and Flavor with Zella Palmer. I am so, so excited today to um, invite a dear friend and colleague and um, just an amazing writer, Megan Braden Perry, who is a published author, award-winning freelance journalist, public speaker, photographer, multi-generation New Orleans native. Her books include Crescent City Snow, The Ultimate Guide to New Orleans Snowball Stands, and the cutest children's book, Alan the Alligator Counts Through New Orleans, a New Orleans kids counting book. Welcome, Megan. Welcome to Culture and Flavor. Hey, thank you, Zella. I'm excited. Thank you for having me. Yes. Um, just, you know, to all my listeners, uh, Megan is one of my favorite writers. Uh, she is hilarious. Uh, you know, her stories about growing up in the seventh ward in New Orleans, her, um, beautiful son named Franklin, who is her best friend, as she always says. And then some of her posts, even when she calls out uh, the media industry or uh, people from out of town and their shenanigans. I just love you so much. <laughs> Thank you. It's so much easier to just be honest, you know? I can't do that. <laughs> so people get mad. People get very mad, but oh, well, I'd rather you know, yes. be hated for who I am. Well, let's talk about just you growing up in the seventh ward of New Orleans. Um, I want to hear your story. We all, we all want to hear your story and just why the seventh ward is such 
a historical neighborhood um, and just really, you know, how that led you to become a writer and public speaker and super mom. Thank you. Um, well, so my mom, um, you know, we didn't have a car or anything like that. So we would just walk everywhere and catch the bus everywhere. So people got to know us. And then my mom was raised in Civil War too. So we would go walk and everywhere we go, we'd see people. We would stop everywhere we went. Walgreens, Alice Removes, it was like the seafood spot. Uh, ain't there no more, as they say. Um, and I was raised mm-hmm. at the bar. I would go to Mule's bar and I would go and I would like <laughs> play the jukebox like since a baby. And I would dance on the bar and people would give me money. And it was just a normal thing. <laughs> and that was the same <laughs> bar that my mom was raised in when she was a baby. You know, and it was just, it was a grocery back then. Um, but, you know, same thing. And so I was just like, oh, like, these are things that make sense to me. Why is nobody talking about them? You know, so that's always what I like mm-hmm. to do when it comes to writing and just everything really is like, oh, this is kind of cool. I think other people would like to know about it. You know, it needs its respect mm-hmm. and all that good stuff. Or it's just really, really fun and people should know. Or it's not fun and people should be aware. Not like I'm like a, mm. a diss rapper type person, you know. I'm not going to talk bad about mm-hmm. restaurants unless you ask me, you know. But I'm not going to lie either. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, you know, I know that you lost your mom and, you know, you lost your family while you were a student at Dillard University. You know, that must have been really, really, really hard for you. Um, how did you, you know, just decide like I'm going to finish school and I'm going to stick to being a creative. Oh, it was hard. Um, so, you know, so my family died when I was like right before I went to Dillard. Um, and that was my senior year of high school. I was 17. And so it was my mom and then it was my uh, papa. And then I was with these really abusive people. Um, my mom's first cousins, just really abusive, horrible people. And I, you know, I applied to all these schools but at the time, um, Xavier was my first choice because I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I'll, when my mom was alive, you know, you're applying for schools at the end of like junior year, senior year, all that. I said, OK, I'll go to Xavier and, um, you know, that'll be great. And so my mom, you know, she'll be happy. She doesn't want me to leave, I'm sure. You know, so I, I won't go to Spelman. I won't go here. I won't go to Columbia. I'll just go to Xavier. But I ended up at Dillard on purpose. Um, and I immediately, as soon as they had summer school, I said, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to summer school so I can have a place to live. And I made a family there, you know, and I mm-hmm. love my daughter family. And when I just walk back on the Oaks, oh, it's just, oh, all these memories, you know, like silly stuff <laughs> and then like actual, you know, um, important stuff. But as far as what kept me going as a creative, I I mean, I have taught and I love education. Um, I was going into education but I think I remember looking at the catalog and maybe that catalog said I would have a, a fifth year of school. And at the time I was like <laughs> a fifth year. That's crazy. Why would I do that? Let me look in the catalog and see what's kind of cool and doesn't have that many hours. And it was mass communication. I said, okay, I can do this. Mm. I, this is something I'm pretty good at. Um, but then again, you know, Katrina happened and depression, you know, because that was Katrina was two years after my family died. So it was like, gee whiz, man, I lost my family. Now I lost my house. This is just stressful. I can't take any of this anymore. I'm going to go and work at the Gap and and fix the house. 
on my gap um, minimum wage <laughs> day. Wow. Um, you know, but um, anyway, I ended up going back. I tried to go back a few times and it never worked. Um, Cause you know, money, you know, mm-hmm, that's what mm-hmm. I think about all the time. Just having money for like bills and stuff. And it was like, well, you know how it is. And you're stressed about stuff. You can't focus on no stupid work. You know, I don't want to mm-hmm. focus on no, uh, what's uh oh, I forget his name. James Baldwin and this one, that one. I don't want to do that. I just want to make money and keep the lights on, <laughs> you know? So it took mm-hmm. me years. It was, I graduated in 2017 and it was supposed to be 2007. Mm-hmm. But I stopped, started, stopped, started, had a baby, um, got into actual media and, you know, but it, it worked out the way it was supposed to. Mm. And what, you know, what were some of your memories that just, you know, the media, um, getting in the media as initially, um, how were you treated, you know, as a native New Orleanian and getting in the media and wanting to tell stories that, you know, really captured your life right. and everyone else's life? Right. Well, um, and the reason I got into media at all, um, like aside from the whole, it was short in the catalog thing, because Dillard, uh, the mass time, like I learned a lot, but the, you know, it, it wasn't what I got from there. I got more stuff, of course, in the field. Um, but mm-hmm. um, so one day I was just like, you know what? I spent all in 2008, I said, I spent or nine, I said, I spent all my like disposable income on food and on magazines. Why don't I just write for magazines? And I wasn't even thinking about writing about food because I thought that was just for white men, you know, because that's just all I've mm. ever seen. And I said, oh, okay, well, mm. if they don't want me to do that. They already have somebody. So I'll just, you know, I'll do fashion. I'm a black woman. I can do fashion. And so I went to, how old? I was 25, 20, 26. When I went to Gambit, they had an internship with their fashion magazine. And it was cool. And I really, really liked it. And thank God I was able to actually work and do all these different things. And you know how it is. Like, maybe you start, I mean, you you were into dance, you know, and you, I'm sure you mm-hmm. still are, obviously. But, you know, you, you do things and you're like, oh, now I'm exposed to this. Maybe that could be cool. You know what? I've always liked mm-hmm. that. That's been the gift of mine. Um, so working here, it was okay. But, you know, you have to, people don't believe you. <laughs> people don't believe in anything you're saying and then you know the idiots in the comments ridiculous that's why i don't work in local media anymore because our idiots in the comments are worse than any other <laughs> idiots in the comments it's mm, awful mm. why do you think that why do you why do you think that is we just don't like anything <laughs> new orleans people mm. don't like anything and i say <laughs> that as a new orleans person who doesn't like anything you know, and so when I first started at Noah.com, they'd be like, oh, you're stupid. Oh, if this happened to you, you wouldn't say that. And it's like, first of all, my editor was drunk and published my story when she wasn't supposed to. Let's be clear about that. <laughs> that was in the drafts. You were not supposed to post that, lady. And so now I'm the one looking stupid because <laughs> they're like, oh, you don't get shot in the stomach. You get shot in the abdomen. How do you know what organ it was? Child, I never said that. <laughs> Uh, so you know just dealing with that girl just stupid people you know and like they don't have our anecdotal you know our memories and stuff they don't have that so me telling them oh there's a hucklebuck man da 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 what's that well it's important to me so I'm gonna share it and then they see it Mm. goes crazy with the people who are actually from here and then that gives that lens credibility to the publication 
and then other publications try to copy and that's annoying too. Mm-hmm. So that's why mm-hmm. I happily write for Bon Appetit and Epicurious and all these other cool publications. Boom. And talk about some of the articles that you wrote for um, Bon Appetit. I, I, I remember your gumbo article. That was just like, yes, finally. Because, uh, you know, the, on in social media, like, oh, people post their gumbo uh, pictures and then, they, <laughs> then people go in and share it. Especially if, you, if you're a native New Orleanian and you've lived here long enough, you know, tell us what a real gumbo should look like. Right. Well, you know, um, I know that some people are going to be like, oh, tomatoes are fine. No, I don't think tomatoes belong in gumbo. I know that some people, they're like, oh, well, I put a little bit. I don't care. I'm not putting any. I don't think they belong in gumbo. I think the roots should be dark. Not like, it don't have to be like black, black, but dark enough to have a little oomph to it, you know, to feel, you know, um, mm-hmm. and a little mm-hmm. little thickness to it. Nothing crazy. I don't want it to be like gravy, but I like, I want, when you're eating gumbo, this is like one of my favorite things. It's like an image. It's just in my mind. You take your little spoon and you stir in, and you pick up your spoon, and then there's like like little drops, like not oil, but something like that. Like it, it sticks to the spoon. Not like in a gravy way, but not like in a chicken noodle soup way. It's slightly mm-hmm. thicker. Oh, and it's just, ooh, ooh, just seeing that, oh, it does something to me. Oh, God. <laughs> and I want all the things in it. I know people are like, oh, I make chicken and sausage gumbo. Okay, good for you. But when Megan is making gumbo at home, my gumbo that I make at home for holidays and all that will have chicken thighs, boneless, skinless chicken thighs. Because one time at Dillard, I kept reheating my gumbo and it was, you know, I used to use the drumettes because that's what everybody used. But then the bones mm-hmm. started to like disintegrate kind of. And it was terrible and weird so i said i'm just never mm-hmm. gonna put a bone in my gumbo again like that's just crazy to me um mm-hmm. so i just use boneless skinless chicken thighs or i'll use like a, a regular chicken thigh and i'll just take the bones out and that's you know i'll just do it myself um mm. and uh sausage i like hot sausage of course i know that some people like to roll it in balls i don't want to see balls in my mm-hmm. gumbo so I just <laughs> cut it. <laughs> that sounded crazier than it, it's supposed to. <laughs> but like, I don't want no balls in my gum, but it looks weird to me. It just, uh, it just, you know, I think that's what them caterers <laughs> like to do. And that's weird to me. I like to see it coming out the little uh, skin a little bit. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. excites me. And that's how I'm like, okay, you are hot sausage because you coming out the skin. I can tell. Um, mm. And I like, uh, I'm dewy. And it, it, the, the brand depends on my mood. Like, I'm fine getting everything from Winn-Dixie. I'm totally fine with that. Of course, my Trinity, I want to see my celery. So I always put a little more celery in there. Um, shrimp. Uh, what else do I put in mine? Um, oh, okra. God, ha, okra. I know some people are worried about okra. I love okra. I think it's special. And I know that if you want to get technical, people will be like, Fun fact, okra means gumbo, or gumbo is okra, you know, and that, yay, woo, I just think it's delicious. Um, what else do I put in there? Oh, oysters. Um, oh, and crab, gumbo crab. Some people put loose crab meat. Again, I don't want to see that. That's weird to me, but you know, I'm sure it tastes delicious. I just don't want to see it. Um, so, yeah, so writing that piece, it was funny. Um, the editor, he was like, hey, Megan. Um, it was our first time working together. He's like, hey, can you write about the eight best po' boys in New Orleans? And I said, oh, um, 
like that we get them from gas stations and like that's just gonna be so boring how exciting can mm. meat or fish you know whatever on bread be and i don't want to use no gentrified po' boy you know mm-hmm. no um mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know what kind of tofu and creatures and mushrooms and i'm sure it's delicious but when i think po' boy it's it ain't that um so i didn't mm. want to do that so i suggest a gumbo and as you said, that was a tall order because you know how we are. The minute you see gumbo in a national publication, again, New Orleans people don't like anything. So we go in. We're like, oh, God, huh, look at this. Uh, uh. Mm. And just to have people like, oh, what's that man? Uh, Chase and Cash. Chase and Cash? Cash and Chase? I don't know. He's that handsome man. And he's like a music man. Chase and Cash, that's mm-hmm. his name. And he was like, man, this article legit. I was like, ah, yes, like, there we go. Yes. You know, the streets like it, the real streets. Oh, God, you know, and there was, I have to push back a little bit on stuff. And I think it's funny to me because, you know, even I'm thinking about something recently, it's like seeing a picture, you know, sometimes you can't, you can't control media and what they do right so sometimes like you know when they take the pictures or something you give them the recipe then they make it completely look completely different from how it's supposed to look you know and then you get the the brunt of the the bashing and the trolling because they're like ah it doesn't look like that that ain't real uh you know when they don't know behind the scenes what it takes to put out an article Mm -hmm. or a book you're not in control of it sometimes the food stylist does it you know what they do the photographer does what they do you know it's 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 a whole process and I, i do believe that you know hopefully um, through this podcast that, you know, people say, you know what, I don't need to hire food stylists that are indigenous to the region, wherever they are. I need to, you know, hire photographers because, or make sure that the writer is involved in that process. What do you think about that? Well, I agree because to make you laugh. So I was like, Oh my God, I'm so excited about my story. Oh, Ooh, girl. The day I opened up the page, the main picture was not a picture I took because I, I sent them a lot of pictures. And of course, I think they had like photographers. I don't remember. No, no. I think they sourced their pictures from online. Um, but I sent them pictures like for social media and whatever. Because um, I love gumbo. Child, the picture that they used, I don't know where they found this picture. It was, it looked like uh, stewed okra is what it looked like to me. It was big old <laughs> chunks of tomatoes. And so like you said, people saw that. People don't read the article and they just like, oh, I know mm-hmm. that's going to be trash. Who put tomatoes in gumbo? That look like stuff. That look like smothered okra. Man, y'all tripping, man. Y'all got to hide people from here. And it's like, they did. Just open the article, please. Please. And they did not change it. Because it was like, you know, they did all this. It was kind of cool and put it like on a stamp. So it looked like it was on a postage stamp. But I want them to just go back into the Adobe um project and just change the gumbo i wish they could do that mm-hmm. um but yeah but mm-hmm. people do need to do that because you'll look and you're like who puts a big old stupid crawfish inside of a gumbo who does that you know and they're like oh that looks good <laughs> oh that's gonna look nice Ooh, nobody wants it or like these big pieces of things you know it's not mm, gumbo don't girl, it don't I shoot know. good it don't look good it don't shoot good it's you can make gumbo look good on camera you are a talented person because gumbo mm, does that not, part. doesn't photograph well. 
That part. Yeah. And your um on one of your articles that you wrote um called I'm a seventh generation New Orleanian, yeah. you you said that to leave New Orleans before you get stuck. Grown-ups told me when I was a kid because you don't want to be stuck. Talk about what it's like to be a native New Orleanian in a beautiful city that we live in um, and just, you know, navigating what that means um, and what you said in your in, in the article. Yeah. How do you make how do you flourish in a city that you, that you have seven generations, but a lot of times the opportunities are not offered? Yeah, it is hard. And then, um, you know, like, I, of course, like I said, I'm born and raised here. So I've got all this family here, you know, or who was here, you know, like the Boutes, those are all my family. So, you know, um, what you call uh, Lillian Boutte and this one and that one and Trisha Boutte and all these ones, they all move to Europe. And I remember I would go um, to their moms and mama, depending on which one I'm talking to, go to their house. And I was a little girl in a seven board right by Mule's, all that stuff. We go there. And some when they would be in town, they would tell me all these stories. Like my nanny Lil, Lillian Boutte, she would tell me about, um, I think that man's name is Robbie. I forget his name, but he's like this musician. And um, and how much he, oh, they love New Orleanians. Oh, whenever you go out, they love us wherever you are. Oh, they love you. You know, and not even just in Europe, just anywhere, Chicago, here and there, you know, and we'd be at home on the seven board, hot, sad, miserable, you know, happy <laughs> in a way, in like a country way, like just happy, right. like good times. We happy like good times. And then so we over there mm-hmm. on good times and then somebody comes and they're like, oh, hey, look, I got you a coat. Oh, I got you this. You got to come visit. Oh, Chicago. Oh, no, mm-hmm. California, Los Angeles, you know? <laughs> so you're talking to just go. Cause like that's the cool thing. Like being mm. a kid, you see them come and got cool cars. They smell good. They look good. They send you pictures. And for Christmas, it's like these beautiful, beautiful pictures and letters. And oh man, the children did this, and oh, it was wonderful. And oh, and they're so successful. So I just always thought that's what you do. That's you know, because mm. and that was the mm-hmm. thing. People and always what like, was- want to get stuck. What what made you decide to stay and rebuild your um, family home? Girl, I was poor. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think a part of it was like, a big part of it, honestly, was that I was young. I was 22 or so. I was 20 when Katrina happened. Yeah, I was 20 when Katrina happened. 22 when I started to like fix up the house and all this kind of stuff. And then, you know, like I said, I had no family. Everybody was dead. So it was all my mom's friends who met well, but they were older. Now I realized they're projecting their things going on. And they were like, girl, I passed by your house and the grass is higher than my knee. And da da da. Oh, it looks sunbay. And you better clean up because you know what's going to happen. Ray Nagin going to come and he's going to tear down. And you're going to look for your house. It's going to be gone. And I was like, I don't want Ray Nagin to tear my house down. And I, I like imagine him all bald and sweaty. Like, just doing it by itself. <laughs> like, yeah, here I am. You know? And I was like, oh, my God, I have to stay in the house. So, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm happy, kind of, that I fixed up the house. Mm-hmm. I'm blessed that mm-hmm. I have a place to stay for now. Because, girl, I had a sheriff sale sticker on my house the other day. Scaring me to death. But the Lord's going to work it out. Mm-hmm. I'm not tripping. But, um, mm-hmm. but you know, um, so that's why I stayed. It was just easier to stay. 
and I had my things. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a whole lot of things. I wanted my things. I didn't drive. Um, so it was just like, it's easier to say, and why would I go? You know, because everybody's like, oh, mm. you're going to leave, and you don't know where you're going. Like, the internet doesn't mm. exist. So. Mm-hmm. You wrote a couple of articles about um, voodoo in New Orleans and yeah. the Botanicas in New Orleans. We have a, uh, we recently uh, interviewed a Babalao that, um, you know, is, and we talked a lot about Santeria and food. You know, I would love to hear just about that experience about writing um, about voodoo in New Orleans because child, um, you know, I always drive past F and F Botanica oh. and it's just weird how that family died. And, you know, I'm just like, what happened? You know, and I even mentioned it in our um, talk, you know, and it's just sitting there with all the candles in the windows and, you know, that Botanica's, and now you see, a, you know, a lot of Botanica's around town, but they're, you know, no shade to, you know, whoever opens up a business, but it's very different from Botanica's that um, most you know, um, cities have where they have spiritual, you know, um, items to sell. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> I just remember, man, it, it's like you said, it was back to back. I think it was within three weeks that they all died. And I was like, well, except for mm-hmm. um, Tanya, she didn't die. I don't think, Lord. Um, but it was so scary. And that just that scares me to mm. death. And so then I was really not trusting any of the ones who opened up because some of them opened up soon after and would be like, mm. oh, you know, y'all calling my place and asking about this. Well, da da da. Well, that's what people knew. And it was immensely mm. like that was, you know, people who practice a lot of us, them live in mid city. That was like a super Latin community. It used to be anyway, gentrification, mm-hmm. you know, super Latin community, black mm-hmm. community. And you would just go. And they, they would never try to upsell you anything. They would never be weird. I miss that place so much. Um, but yeah, but sorry. So to the question, writing about it, usually it was cool. Um, I like writing about it. Um, of course, I think, you know, I think everybody wanted to know, hey, where can I get my stuff? Not at their clothes. But also it's scary to write about it because, you know, you're like, oh, are you really a good place? You know, like, mm-hmm. a- am I am I talking too much? Am I saying things I shouldn't say? Um, a friend of mine, when I, inter- um, well, I mean, she, she's a friend. Um, when I interviewed her for this article, you know, for the article about that, she was like, oh, because girl, when um, uh, Louisa Tish, the one who wrote Jambalaya, they were like, oh, and when she wrote that, they were so mad at her because they said she said too much, da, da, da. So it's that fine line, you know, because you got to gatekeep a little mm-hmm. bit, but you also got to be yeah. like, look, I know what I'm talking about. Let me throw in mm-hmm. a pop of leg bob, you know, throw that down, whatever, so you can know I know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you even had an article talking about why New Orleans love purple. Oh, and yeah. I think each city, I mean, has like a color to it, you know, and for you to write an article about purple and why New Orleans loves purple so much. I just love that article. Um, you know, and I want you to talk a little bit about just why the purple is so significant. And I, I, because, you know, when I go places and I see purple or I see someone from New Orleans and they're wearing purple, it just brings so much joy, you know? Yeah. You know, that's, that's a different thing because I thought, you know how it is. You, you grew up in Chicago. I'm sure you have things mm-hmm. that y'all did there 
that you were like, oh, this is normal. Everybody does this. And you're like, girl, no, mm-hmm. they don't. <laughs> you know, like, when you're, <laughs> you're like, girl, they don't do that everywhere. Like they looking at me crazy because I'm asking, you know, for like this, that, the other, you know. Um, so like mm-hmm. when I was at Dillard, I remember they were like, golly, y'all show like purple. Y'all got purple everything, purple trash cans, purple houses, purple this. <laughs> and I was like, y'all don't. It's a color. Is it not? Is it not right. a color? Like, why are we going to deny a color <laughs> joy? But, you know, um, and then I remember, like you said, you just you get so happy. Like my uncle Paco, who I mentioned, his real name is Russell DeRue. They are called him Paco. He taught Spanish mm-hmm. <laughs> for like forever um, at Andrew J. Bell and at St. Aug. And then he went to St. Aug. Um, so that man, baby, he used to wear purple. He, well, not just purple. St. Aug purple. He would wear St. Aug outfits every day. I remember there was this commercial <laughs> of Ronald McDonald years ago. And Ronald opened his closet. And it was like all of his Ronald McDonald shoes just in a row. It was like all my Ronald shoes, his Ronald outfits. And that's how I feel like Uncle Paco was. I feel like he probably had just closet, just St. Aug, St. Aug, St. Aug, St. Aug, St. Aug letter jacket, St. Aug shirt, St. Aug tracksuit. The man had unlimited St. Aug clothes. <laughs> so you know, I just I think about that. It's just it's something, you know, and then even you think about St. Aug again. I mean, I'm <laughs> not to sound like as they say an Aug groupie or whatever, like I was waiting at the gate or whatever they would do. Um but, you know, I think about that, like with St. All people, they'd be like, oh, if, if they're referencing another St. All person, like, oh, let's say I, I got to get my car fixed. Oh, do you? Oh, say, bro, you got a mechanic? Yeah, man. My dog, Larry. <laughs> and he purple. Oh, he purple? Yeah, he purple. Okay, great. So now I know my car is going to get fixed because Larry is purple, as am I. And Larry going to give me the best deal. He could ever give me, and he gonna give my children the same deal. My mama, my daddy, everybody, you know. <laughs> Just to let our listeners know, um, Saint Saint Augustine High School is the only um, Black Catholic all boys school in the United States, and they um, their mascots are purple knights. So, um, purple is definitely their color. So that's what Megan is referencing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wanna. I want to also, you mentioned earlier about um, corner stores and, you know, gas stations. Um, could you talk a little bit about that? I know you talk a lot about, you, you know, on social media, if you're not from New Orleans and, you know, it, her funny stories about going to the blue store in her neighborhood and how uh, the gentrifiers found the blue store and how upset she was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's annoying. Yeah. It's annoying because yeah. we can't have nothing. Like, Lord. And then they come. It, you know, honestly, I'm going to go real back to FNF. I remember, like, in the, the years, like, right before it closed, well, you know, before everything happened, I remember Tanya used to not be there so much. And I was all, so Tanya was the wife of Jonathan. Um, the, and she was the daughter of Baba Felix. Um, so yeah, so she, she was amazing. You would go to her and she, she just knew everything and she wouldn't be worried about it. She would just be like, Hey, I know that you're having these dreams. So what I need you to do is get a journal. Okay. Da da. Get this. And she would just prescribe it to you. She'd make my friends cry. Not in a bad, but you're just like, Oh my God, you knew. So, um, <laughs> I remember, you know, now you got social media. That was 2018. I want to say when they closed. 
So right before then, people, you know, were on Instagram and this and that. <laughs> this is funny. <laughs> this spray says run, devil, run. <laughs> this is so funny. It's hilarious. And it was like, why are you, first of all, in my space? And then why are you making fun of me? You know, like, why are you making fun of what we do? Mm-hmm. That run, devil, run spray works just fine. You know, all these things were great. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like it, just go away. So that's like, you know, mm-hmm. I think about the uh, the blue store and stuff, you know. Oh, my God, I went to the blue store. You know, of course, I like put the accent on the wrong word. I went to the blue store and, oh, my God, I got a poor boy. And it was, a, and it's just like, Jesus, have just, can you just, en- just enjoy it? Just shut up and enjoy it. Like, second line, <laughs> why you got to dance all hard? People who are from here are not <laughs> dancing all hard. I'm just walking. I'm just drinking. I'm walking. I'm drinking. I might have some street meat in my hand. I'm looking at other street meat in the street. You know what I mean? You know? And they're there trying to bump jump. Why are you in the way? Which is also kind of funny because, you know, we as black people, black women especially, it's hard for us to take up space because we're, you know, we we take up space. It's a problem. As I say, it's a problem Mm. when I do it, you know? But then they mm-hmm. bump jumping and it's a, oh, it's so cute. It's so funny. Yes. Okay, Becky, uh, you got an invitation to the cookout. Ew, the cookout's full. I'm tired. <laughs> you are hilarious. Um, we will be back after a few brief messages and we're going to come back and uh, talk to Megan about dating. Thank you for listening to Culture and Flavor. Uh, We'll be back in a brief few minutes after a few brief messages. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Wisconsin certainly knows their cheese. The only state that requires a license to cheese, they take the craft very seriously. That's why this year, Wisconsin Cheese is hosting the very first Art of Cheese Festival to celebrate all things curds. From September 29th to October 1st, you too can join the Jubilee. Over the course of the festival, you can learn how to pair cheese like a pro. Art of Cheese is thrilled to offer classes on pairing cheese with wine from the industry's leading sommeliers, cocktails from spirits experts, chocolate, and coffee. Yes, coffee with cheese from a former cheesemonger. At Art of Cheese, you can level up your artisanal cheese-making knowledge with a curds-on deep dive amongst the cream of the crop and celebrate all things cheese by dancing the night away as the bell of the Wisconsin Cheese Ball. You won't want to miss out on finding your next favorite cheese at the party of the year. Head over to www.artofcheesefestival.com for your tickets to Pastured Paradise. Okay, we're back with Culture and Flavor with Megan Braden Perry. Um, we're going to get right into it. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you all enjoyed the first half of this episode, uh, and I hope you all are giggling and just laughing uh, and having a good time because she is she is a character. <laughs> Talk to me about you know sometimes you voice your uh, your frustrations or your um, you know or your desires about dating. Um, as a single mom, and they are hilarious. I swear you need your own show because I mean, even just dating advice, you know, because you'll go on there talking about uh, either a date that you went on and then the guy tried to be cheap with you, or, you know, <laughs> he found out that he was married or some kind <laughs> story. Girl. Well, you know, Essence Fest is my favorite holiday. I love Essence Fest, but I've learned over the years that. 
essence men, I'm not going to say what I usually say, um, essence men be married. They be married. If you are at essence and you're a man and you're alone, I'm assuming you're married. I'm, now I just assume it. And so now my thing is to figure out how. And how do I know that? You know, so I'll ask for one, you know, let's say you're not wearing a ring. Oh man, you so beautiful. Oh, you gorgeous. You know, man, I really like you. I'm trying to be with you. You know, I want to see you. You know, you ever been to whatever, whatever event in whatever, whatever place, man, you ought to come, you know, come see me. Oh, really? <laughs> Cause I'm gonna get my food. I'm gonna get my drink. Cause I'm gonna use you the way you're trying to use me because this is not real life. This is essence of you know? So I have my little mm-hmm. fun because you're not wearing the ring. I asked you multiple times if you're married. Okay, great. Then you know what? You want to play not married? I can play not married too. I can play that game right there with you. So mm. then I'll take the number. Have you ever done this? Put a number in Cash App to find a person's name? I mean, <laughs> I, yeah. no, I've never done that. Yes, yes. That's so that, so that the last one that I met, because this essence was just hot. And I just, I had other things to do, so I wasn't really meeting men. But this man I met, he was all in my face, all kiki, la la, all in my face. Um, you know, oh, me, my friends, da da da, woo woo, oh, my frat brother, oh, my pro fight, uh, okay, whatever. So I put in his name, and of course, uh, I, yeah, then I, his number, put in the number on Cash App, find his name, look up the name on Facebook. Of course, he's married. So then the investigative journalist and me was like, all right, um, put on your recorder, because he, he called, well, you know, the essence men who are married, they don't like they'll call you nonstop when you're there. But then after, of course, they go back to their wives. So they don't call. So this one called. And I said, Oh, okay. Let me go downstairs and you know, hi. Oh, that's so oh, it's great to hear your voice too. Oh my God. So what you end up doing? <laughs> what? Hey, um, so yeah, how long you been married? You know, just real casual. And then how long have I been married? Married? Oh, uh, married. <laughs> fifteen years. Fifteen years. Uh huh. Fifteen years. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's beautiful. Cause that's all they do is lie. And the thing about mm. New, you know New Orleans, we like to shoot people. I mean, I'm not shooting mm. nobody. But I don't want to get shot. So I don't, especially over some man with a natural curl or whatever S curl, natural perm, whatever. I don't want to get shot over that. I don't want to get shot over there. A man who didn't even buy me food. Baby, please keep your man. I don't want to get shot over him. But people can't get shot. So I'm like, you know what? You Now you got me out here living uh, dangerous. So it's hard. And then a friend of mine, she, the other day, I was talking to her. She's a little older than me. Um, not from here. I was telling her about dating and how hard it is. Da, da, da. And I was like, oh, maybe if I move to Chicago, because I'm like, I'm up for a job in Chicago. Um, I'm up for a job that's remote too. I'm probably going to, you know, whatever. But the Chicago one, I was like, you know what? If I had to move to Chicago, that's fine. Because the men, you know, hey, new men. And she was like, yeah, you know, honestly, Megan, I think that a lot of times people think they know you, but they don't, you know? So they have like these mm. notions or you, or you get the idiots who are like, man, I hope you don't write about me. Ha, ha, ha. I hope I don't write <laughs> on Facebook. Ha, ha, ha. Well, act right and you won't. Because they got a million men who ain't never made it to my page, not nary a mention. You know? Mm, mm. Um, 
but how do you navigate all of that while parenting, you know, your beautiful son, Franklin? I mean, he's just growing up so fast and you are just such an incredible mom. Um, you've written a lot of articles about parenting. You know, you always share um, stories with him and, you know, stories about him and, and just you all, you know, enjoying the day with each other. You know, how do you what advice would you give to single moms? Oh, that's hard because, you know, to me, there's like, of course, it's double standard, right? Because they're like, oh, you can't bring everybody around your child or whatever. But then also I want to make sure you're not a weirdo, not a creep. So I I don't know. It's just hard. And then you have people who think, oh, especially when your baby is young, people always thought I was looking mm-hmm. for a daddy for my son. Baby, my dad, well, his daddy is just fine. He has a dad. His dad's involved. We don't live together. I don't want to be married to him. And also they would think, oh, you're going to go be back with that man. No, I'm not. I left him. <laughs> so it's just hard. I, I, I wish I did have advice. Um, just hopefully mm. you find somebody who's honest. You know, mm-hmm. I looked mm-hmm. up just now on my vision board and it said security. So I don't know what what that's trying to mean. Um, maybe, maybe it's like you got to find somebody who's secure in themselves, you know? who is just Mm -hmm. really a nice man who doesn't think Mm. that you're insecure as in like, Oh, I need somebody to take care of my baby. Oh, I need someone to do this and do that. I just, I just want somebody to watch TV with from time to time. I have a lot of Mm -hmm. events. I'd like to bring a male plus one sometimes, but I don't because they'd be Mm -hmm. acting crazy. So let me ask you, what are some of your favorite places to eat in New Orleans since you um, cover that? Yes. And you're always out and I see you at restaurants just having a good old time. What are some of your favorite spaces, places that you think that our listeners should uh, go to? Okay. Um, And and, and let me ask this too. The the B part of the question is, what is a proper dining etiquette if you're not from New Orleans when you go to some of these places? Oh, okay. Okay. Um, I would say my favorite, if you want to just have like a whole bunch of really delicious, fresh, great food, New Orleans food, Louisiana food, Bryson's. It's the one that, I mean, just for the listeners, it looks like Brigston's. So you're going to look it up online, B-R-I-G-S-T-E-N, apostrophe S, pronounced Bryson's. Lovely, amazing food. And I found out when I was doing my gumbo article, Chef Frank makes his gumbo the exact same way I do mine. I felt so validated. Um, free Thai, delicious Haitian food. We're not known for Haitian food. I mean, we should be. That's another story. Um, but really, really great food. Um, let me see. Oh gosh. Okay. You know what? New Orleans food. Let me stick to New Orleans food. Ooh. Um, Dookie Chase. Of course you have to go to Dookie Chase. It's an experience, but also I would say chapter four, which is Lil Dook's restaurant. And that's like, if you ever don't want to see people that, you know, don't go there because you're going to see if you're from here, (laughs) everybody, you know, don't be there down bad. Don't be because you won't see everybody and they're gonna see you. It's not that big. Um, I love it though. Um, oh, I had really amazing, like down the bayou type of barbecue, so like kind of countryish uh, Louisiana barbecue at um, what is it called? Oh, at Devil Moon. No, oh, yeah, well, Devil Moon barbecue, but also Brewery St. X, the best crackling I've ever had in the city, period. 
Um, mm. What? It, it, it was just soft and good. Oh, I think about it every day. And I went there on Franklin's mm. birthday, June seventeenth. I think about it every day. Also downtown mm. is King Brasserie. The food is great, and the drinks are lovely. But the dessert—it's like a lady dessert chef whose name I forget. But the desserts are just mind blowing. Again, I went there right before Essence, and I can't stop thinking about it. Lovely place, and they treat their employees very fairly. Like they all get like a, a really nice pay, you know, um, benefits and this and that, and like hotel stays, and the employees are happy. Um, what else? Oh God, so many places. Um, <laughs> tacos. I go to taco trucks uh, or lawyers. Um, got people mm-hmm. that come here for tacos, but you know, so mm-hmm. much stuff. Oh, po- oh what was? Go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, po boys. Um, for seafood po boys and hot sausage, I go to Castnet. Um, for mm. roast beef, I go to the Wabbit on the West Bank. Mm, yeah. It all sounds um, so good. Yes. Um, then what's the last, the, the question is, you know, then what's the proper dining etiquette if you're not from here? You know, because it's, it's a lot of articles that have come out about either, you know, people from out of town and how they treat um, service workers, you know, um, and even just what you said earlier about showing up in places that are community led and, you know, sacred to a, to a neighborhood. Yeah, that's a really, really good question. Um, I would say um, one thing that I've heard from my service industry friends is that, you know how we are, we call everybody baby and love and darling, and it's just so normal to us. We're not flirting with you. We're just being kind. You know, we're just like, oh, all right, my baby, mm-hmm. da, da, da. That's how we are. You know, um, we're not trying to do anything extra. So don't think people are trying to flirt with you because <laughs> they're probably not. Um, <laughs> what else would I say? Um, and then treat treat people the way you would treat anybody else. Don't think that because you look at New Orleans and you're like, oh, look at these cool buildings. I'm sure everybody is successful in this and that. Uh-uh. A lot of people aren't. A lot of people are struggling. So make sure if you can't afford mm-hmm. to tip, you can't afford to eat. Period. You just can't. Mm-hmm. And I mean tip like 20% at least or more. You know, um, another thing that I learned um, is if you're – and this is like really just a fun trick that you can use anywhere is that if you are somewhere and, <clears throat> and you want to, you know, tip the person you, and, but you know, it just goes to them. Like if there's a tip pool, of course don't do this. Cause that'd be a really jerk move. But if it's, if you know, it goes directly to the person, like, and they're going to get all their own tips, you can cash out them or something like that. You know, that way they get it right mm-hmm. there. You know, cause uh, uh, some places mm-hmm. you get your tips that night, some places you don't, but, and a lot of people really. Mm, like I saw. I saw a, um, um, a video, and it was it, it had me sad, but laughing at the same time. And it happens all the time when you have a big party and mm. you go out to eat. You know what's the proper dining etiquette for when you have a big party and the bill comes and it has to be split? I mean, it drives servers crazy because you know they'll ask for separate bills, and then sometimes people you know, don't have all their money and then you end up having to pay for a little bit more. Talk to us about that. It's hard. So when I was a waitress, I used to, well, you know, New Orleans. Um, so I was a waitress right after Katrina at this place called Cabby's inside the Hilton because I went to Dillard. 
obviously we were living in the Hilton. So I was a waitress basically at school. So, um, and I was black. I, I still am. Um, but the, the other people, <laughs> <laughs> they had other people who they would see like a black table come in and they'd be like, all right, Megan, that's you. And I'd be like, okay. Mm. Cause they didn't want to take them, you know? And mm. I'd be like, okay, here I am. Da da. Look, I'm a, I don't mind, you know, splitting, you know, let me just ask you right now, what, are you going to split it? How is it going to be split? That way I can be ready. That way I can write it down. Da da da. And then I would end up getting tipped really, really well. You know, I think cause they understood mm. it wasn't like a, a drama thing, you know? And then as we, mm-hmm. we talk about all the time, during essence and stuff, all these restaurants close or they institute these policies, you know, no split tickets, no this, no that, because they don't want us there. Like a lot of those places Hmm. um, on Fulton, you know, like by Harris, they're obligated to stay open. They can't close because they're attached to Harris, but then they'll put on their little wall, you know, oh, can't do this, no split tickets, no this, no that. Um, Which I think it's just silly. And then you know, auto grad. I, I don't know. I just, when I was a waitress, I just did it differently. Um, I didn't mind mm-hmm. it, but I will say that a, a trick that I like to do. Uh, and then one thing that people used to do when they, when they would want to split up the tab, that was cool. I don't mind you sitting up the tab, but if you could help me out, give me all the cards, I'll run them all. I'll bloop, 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 but put your initials next. Like I'll give you the whole big check. You put your initials, that way I can be like, okay, this, da da da, this, da da. And then, you know, mm-hmm. then I'll put the tip on each individual thing. You know, I'll leave a spot and you can do it. Cause auto grad, it just gets confusing. Um, but I know some people do it. And I know some restaurants have a, a service industry fee. Baby, just charge me more. I don't mind because now I'm confused. Cause I'm like, are you gonna give it to them? Are you really doing that? Are you gonna are they gonna get it mm-hmm. or are you gonna get it? Um, but one trick if you're forced to go out for one of these horrendous dinners is I go, (laughs) baby, listen, I get there early or whenever and I'll go to the waitress or the server and I'll say, Hey, my baby, listen, okay. I have an event. I have a prior engagement. I know I won't be around when the check comes, but I want to make sure you're taken care of. So look, can you just split me off? Can I just have my own tab? You know, I'll sit with them, but I have my own tab. Oh, you want your own tab? Girls say less. Hey, and then I get my own tab. And I'm out of there. And I'll leave them to tussle. Mm. I'll leave them to fight. Because <laughs> I'll take care good, of them. Good tip. Yes. Good tip. Yes. Good tip. Uh, you, you have a couple of articles in Epicurious about uh, king cake history and king cake recipes. What are some of your top favorite places to get to buy king cakes? Mm. Haido. I love Haido king cake um, because it's very plain and basic and when i was in school all we got was very plain basic mackenzie's king cake a big old sweet thing of bread with sugar on it and this weird piece that had like a clown and like a cherry and sprinkles or whatever and that's what i want i don't want no razzle dazzle king cake um but if i do just for fun if i want a king cake that tastes fun it doesn't taste like king cake to me but they sell it at king cake time um, I would say the one from Norma's, Norma's uh, Cuban uh, Cafe and Bakery. They got the guava and cream cheese. Excellent, mm. of course. And then um, another, I, I must like fruit and cheese because my other one is, uh, what's that place called? Um, uh, it used to be Cake Cafe, but they closed, but now they do it at Noka. 
So it's goat, cheese, and apple. And that's a fun mm. one. Would I call it a king cake? No. But it, it, to them, mm -hmm. it is, and it makes them happy. Oh, my gosh. And Buy Water Bakery. Theirs is really mm -hmm. good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. Enjoy king cake season with Franklin because, you know, one day, you know, you won't have to take king cakes to school and stuff. And, then, you know, my boys are older now and I'm just like, oh, I miss those days when I have to bring king cake to school. Oh, We're so fortunate to live in New Orleans and, you know, that and kids. It's 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 a beautiful thing growing up in New Orleans, I think. It is. And listen, you know, this school's not. They don't let you bring no king cake. Frankly, really? I don't have no king cake. No, I think like maybe the teacher, if she wants to buy it, she can. And that's on her. But they don't ever, they don't have like the weekly king cake thing. Nope. Not oh, that's so sad. It is. I didn't know that. I guess my, we're the last to do, to do that. Because if you, you know, for our listeners, you know, it was tradition where you, um, you know, a so if a child brought a king cake and whoever had the piece with the baby, then they had to um, buy the next king cake and they did it for the whole Mardi Gras season. And it was just such a fun time for kids and, you know, just the sugary joy of eating king cake and getting ready for Mardi Gras. Yes. Oh, the sugar on my desk I'd lick. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, I can just see the highlight of the day. Yes. Oh. Man, man. But I want to thank you, Megan, so much for joining Culture and Flavor. This was a beautiful episode and I'm so excited to see all the things that you do and, you know, just keep on being your true self because you are definitely a light. Thank you. That, that means so much coming from you, Zella, because you've known me for a while and you've seen the the struggles and you know the highs and the lows so i thank you and i'm yes indeed you and your baby thank you i love you thank so much. you love you too Again. thank you all for joining culture and flavor culture and flavor is powered by simplecast Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.